welcome to Lessons of Life, the podcast where I explain the lessons I've had in my life in dealing with the principles of the laws of our mind. These are principal laws, you know, and the Bible is a book of instruction on that. That's what the word Torah means, instruction on being. So it is the ultimate handbook on this. And it's been said in different ways, you know, to help others, you know, everybody's perception is different, so they'll perceive it in a way and they'll write about it and, and you know, they're, they want to help. And so they can only give you their perception of it. Uh, but there are perceptions out there that resonate and Neville Gardner is one of them. And the reason he resonates is he's a hacker. He's applying the law of liberty and he had enough strong mental fortitude to walk around in confidence knowing he was going to get it one way or another. And so it always came to him. And this is what fails most people. They end up worrying and digging it up and killing it. Okay, so this is what Neville even taught. It doesn't matter if you do the freaking technique if your mental diet isn't any good. And he got this from Emmett Fox. Okay, Emmett Fox taught about mental dieting before Neville Goddard. Okay, and in his uh, pamphlet of the seven-day mental diet, he emphasizes this. And if you stop and think about what Neville said, you will understand that he was saying the same thing differently. It doesn't matter if you use these techniques, if your mental diet's shit. Okay, what are you going to think about? Now, Neville would think about God. And Emmett Fox would tell you, if you're on a mental diet, then you think about God when the negative comes up, okay? Now, I'm going to read today Emmett Fox's The Seven-Day Mental Diet. And yes, I'm going to interject my, my own two cents into it in the hopes of updating it in a way that it clicks. But he's very, very clear for the most part. This is an easy free download for anyone. It's called The Seven Day Mental Diet by Emmett Fox. The most important of all factors in your life is the mental diet on which you live. And I want to note here that I've been asked this by several pa patrons. First you get the thought, then comes the feeling. And that's what you have to look at. Am I applying an ugly negative feeling, therefore taking that thought down? So let's say you're presented a Lamborghini and your first reaction is, oh man, look at that car. That is a beautiful car. Don't you just love that car? You know, I love that car. That car is cool. And then it drives by. It's now gone out of sight. And you proceed to tell yourself, oh, well, it's not like I'm ever going to have a car like that. You know, I just don't have the, the money and blah, 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 blah. You know, you just killed it. You killed your, your wish. All right. It was sent to you. That first feeling of seeing it is excitement. 
but you gave more attention. You gave more of your time and attention to why you can't have it, drawing up feelings of, I can't have that, you know, and that makes me sad. I'm going to go put that away. <laughs> so the most important of all factors in your life is the mental diet on which you live. It is the food which you furnish to your mind that determines the whole character of your life. This is in a way of looking at it because we tend to diet to change our bodies. You're going to diet to change your mind. And just like you would determine, okay, well today I'm starting the keto diet and I'm going to stick to it for two weeks. You do the same thing here. Okay, I am starting a, a, my seven-day mental diet and I'm sticking to it for seven days. Now, it is the food. These are the things that come to you. It is the thoughts you allow yourself to think. It is the thoughts you allow yourself to think means you gave it your time and attention, your love. The only thing you have in this life to give are your moments of time and your attention. They're the most precious things in the world. You know, so it is the food of life. And it is referred to as this over and over again in the Bible. First fruits. Okay, get the first fruits. The first fruits on a vining plant will be the biggest, juiciest fruits. Okay, and those were the seeds you want to save from that fruit because that's the healthiest, strongest fruit. All the energy and minerals and vitamins and everything from the soil first hit that fruit. Okay, so it's the strongest fruit. It's the healthiest fruit. It's the best fruit on the vine. Okay, so it is the thoughts you allow yourself to think. You control your mind. You control which rabbit hole you go down. Okay, the subjects that you allow your mind to dwell upon, the things you uh, give time and attention to, which make you and your surroundings what they are. Okay. As thy day, so shall thy strength be. Everything in your life today, the state of your body, whether healthy or sick, the state of your fortune, whether prosperous or impoverished, the state of your home, whether happy or the reverse, the present condition of every phase of your life, in fact, is entirely conditioned by the thoughts and feelings which you have entertained in the past, by the habitual tone of your past thinking, and the condition of your life tomorrow and next week and next year will be entirely conditioned by the thoughts and feelings which you choose to entertain from now onwards. This is all about 
How are you entertaining yourself? Are you telling yourself a bunch of ugly drama and bullshit? Or are you telling yourself good things? Okay, good things. And this gets to that positive and negative. These are positive things. All right, things that make you happy, that make you feel good, good things, good thoughts. And you have to literally recognize that the thoughts that you've been feeding your mind. Okay, so you have to see what kind of diet you have been having. In other words, you choose your life. That is to say, you choose all the conditions of your life. When you choose the thoughts upon which you allow your mind to dwell, when you choose to give thought and therefore attention and feeling to three amigos, you spend your time doing that. That's what you're going to get. All right? It's what you're going to get. Thought is the real causative force in life and there is no other first you are presented something a a car that is a thought okay a murder a thought you are presented something okay what are you going to dwell upon what are you going to give your time and attention to Thought is the real causative force in life, and there is no other. You cannot have one kind of mind and another kind of environment. You can't think great and wonderful things all day long and live in shit. It's just impossible. Okay, if you keep up the great and wonderful things, the thoughts of the beauty of nature, the wonder of how prosper it all is and how you're no different than the birds or the bees or the flowers or the trees. You know, you have infinite riches just like they do. You know, and these are the thoughts that you give yourself. It can be anything. I'm not going to think that. No. You know, I'm going to think about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I really like that. <laughs> Whatever. And um, I'm going to think about what a great job, you know, Julie's doing. And look, she's just rocking it. And you're sending good thoughts out to them. When you forgive, you do this for yourself. You're ripping that off your heart. You're cleaning it up. But there comes a point, because you're doing it for yourself, that it's done. You're done forgiving. Okay? And now it's like, nobody thinks like that. It's a rebuke. And you can even say that. You know, let the Lord rebuke you. I mean, I don't think so. Bless your heart. I know you're better than that. That's a better thought. Let the Lord rebuke you. I'm not listening to that. You have to leave my presence. 
In other words, you choose your life. That is to say, you choose all the conditions of your life when you choose the thoughts upon which you allow your mind to dwell. Thought is the real causative force in life, and there is no other. You cannot have one kind of mind and another kind of environment. This means that you cannot change your environment while leaving your mind unchanged. Nor, and this is the supreme key to life and the reason for this article, can change your mind without your environment changing too. If you change your mind, your environment's going to change. And we all have the right to change our mind. We control our minds. This then is the real key to life. If you change your mind, your conditions must change too. Your body must change, your daily work or other activities must change, your home must change, the color tone of your whole life must change. For whether you be habitually happy and cheerful or low-spirited and fearful depends entirely on the quality of the mental food upon which you diet yourself. Please be very clear about this. If you change your mind, your conditions must change too. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is what that means. Change your mind. We love to tell ourselves a woman has a her it's her prerogative to change her mind. It's everyone's prerogative to change their mind. You can change your mind. Okay? And mean it. You're de you mean it. You know what? I don't think like that anymore. You know, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm determined. I'm changing this now. You know, and things will begin to change. You will, you know, be compelled to clean up. You'll be compelled to do this, that, or the other. And it's taking you to what you changed your mind about. You know, so now you will see that your mental diet is really the most important thing in your whole life. Neville said this. All mystic teachers say this. It is your mental diet that conditions the consciousness into what you are conscious of. In other words, as you think, so you shall be. Okay? And as Shakespeare would say, to thy own self be true. What makes you happy doesn't necessarily make everybody happy. Who gives a flying fuck? You can change it. You know, you can change it. No, I'm not thinking that. And this is what Neville said about revision. You, know, you revise. You don't give it any time and attention. No, that's not what I, I heard. I heard, you know, and this is keeping that mental diet going throughout the day. Forgiveness and revision. This keeps you on the mental diet despite spending any time on something negative. Okay? You erase it ASAP as soon as you discover it. Okay? And so what you had a bite of a cookie. You stopped yourself, threw the rest of the cookie away, 
and said, no, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Next time, I think I'll grab some applesauce. You know, it's change your mental diet. No, I didn't think that. What I was really thinking was, you know, this, blah, 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 blah. Or if you've cast the burden to the Christ, it would be, um, no, I'm sorry, Jesus is taking care of that. I cast that burden to the Christ, you know, and you throw it away. So now you will see that your mental diet is really the most important thing in your whole life. This may be called the great cosmic law, and its truth is seen to be perfectly obvious when once it is clearly stated in this way. In fact, I do not know of any thoughtful person who denies its essential truth. The practical difficulty in applying it, however, arises from the fact that our thoughts are so close to us that it is difficult without a little practice to stand back, as it were, and look at them objectively. Yet that is just what you must learn to do. And this is what the objective world teaches us. It's not a bad place. It's there to teach you to step back and look at it. And this is the beauty of science. In stepping back, let's take the fear out of it and look at it. The Bible calls it being a watcher. You must train yourself to choose the subject of your thinking at any given time and also to choose the emotional tone or what we call the mood that colors it. Yes, you can choose your moods. Indeed, if you could not, you would have no real control over your life at all. This has been emphasized to us by many. And Churchill would say, catch the mood. You know, so another way is to go lean on history. You know, and say, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about Churchill's magnificent speech. And how he said we would fight on the beaches. And we would fight to the last woman and child. But we shall survive. We shall persist. Yes. We shall be victorious, you know, and you're putting yourself in that better, confident mood. You're catching the mood. Moods habitually entertained produce the characteristic disposition of the person concerned. And it is his disposition that finally makes or mars a person's happiness. Oh, he's got a good disposition. You know, everybody knows these things. All right. And it's like Neville said after he uh, experienced having to forgive in, uh, in his vision. And he came back telling everybody, never say a negative thought about anyone ever again. You know, he had many negative thoughts and judgments about people. But he learned his own way that, that this does nothing good for anyone, okay? And it, it was a bad mental habit, mental diet, okay? So remember your mood, check your mood, check your temperature, 
okay? And if it's not good, you need to turn it around right then because you control that. You control your mind. Don't let anyone think or tell you that you don't, okay? You control it. You have dominion. That's what that means. You control it. You cannot be healthy. You cannot be happy. You cannot be prosperous if you have a bad disposition. If you are sulky or surly or cynical or depressed or superior or frightened half out of your wits, your life cannot possibly be worth living. Now, it all of these are layers. You certainly cannot be happy, but you can be prosperous and be a bitch, okay, and think ugly things because in your mind you're always wealthy, all right, and you're quite confident about that. I always get what I want. That's mine. Thank you, you know, and it comes to you, but the other things will elude you. You'll never have it all because of your disposition, okay, something else gets taken from you. You cannot be healthy. You cannot be happy. You cannot be prosperous. You can be prosperous. Okay. You can be healthy. Even with a bad disposition. Okay. It's the way you think about health. It's the way you think about prosperity. Okay. And the truth in this sentence is you cannot be happy. Okay? You'll always be seeking the one thing you're missing. You could have it all, but one thing, and that's that pee at the bottom of the mattresses that the princess keeps feeling, even though she's on 20 mattresses. She can still feel it. If you get rid of that pee, you know, that, that last thing that has been marring your life, then everything else starts flowing in. So, yes, you can be healthy. But you're not going to be happy. You can be prosperous, but you're not going to be happy. And you can have a bad dis disposition, and you're not going to be happy. If you're sulky or surly or cynical or depressed or superior or frightened half out of your wits, your life cannot possibly be worth living. And this is true. You're always bitching. You're always crapping. You're always, you know, crapping on everybody's parade. You don't care. Unless you are determined to cultivate a good disposition, you may as well give up all hope of getting anything worthwhile out of life. And it is kinder to tell you very plainly that this is the case. All right. If you're going to keep thinking ugly things, okay, go enjoy your life. All right. That's the life you're creating. You have to go on a diet if you want it to be happy. It's the pursuit of happiness because we tackle these things one at a time. Health, wealth, success, right expression. You have to be determined to start your diet now and carefully select all day long the kind of thoughts that you are going to think. You may as well give up all hope of shaping your life into the kind of thing that you want it to be because this is the only way if you are not determined. Okay. But if you are determined, you will change your life. 
In short, if you want to make your life happy and worthwhile, which is what God wishes you to make it, you must begin immediately to train yourself in the habit of thought selection and thought control. You control your thoughts. You choose the thoughts that you will think and the feelings that come with it. Catch the mood. Now, Neville Goddard would tell you, catch the mood of confidence like Churchill. That's the mood he would catch. This will be exceedingly difficult for the first few days, but if you persevere, you will find that it will become rapidly easier, and it is actually the most interesting experiment that you could possibly have. In fact, this thought control is the most thrilling, interesting hobby that anyone could take up. You will be amazed at the interesting things that you will learn about yourself, and you will get results almost from the beginning. Now many people knowing the truth make sporadic efforts from time to time to control their thoughts. But the thought stream being so close as I have pointed out and the impacts from outside so constant and varied they do not make very much progress. This is not the way to work. Your only chance is definitely to form a new habit of thought, which will carry you through when you are preoccupied or off your guard, as well as when you are consciously attending to the business. This new thought habit must be definitely acquired, and the foundation of it can be laid within a few days. And the way to do it is this. Make up your mind to devote one week solely to the task of building a new habit of thought. And during that week, let everything in life be unimportant as compared with that. I'm going to repeat that. This is your diet. I've decided I'm going on a mental diet. Make up your mind that for one week, I am only going to be building a new habit of thought and during that week anything other than that is not important. Okay. I am changing the way I think. If you will do so then that week will be the most significant week in your whole life. It will literally be the turning point for you. If you will do so it is safe to say that your whole life will change for the better. In fact, nothing can possibly remain the same. This does not simply mean that you will be able to face your present difficulties in a better spirit. It means that the difficulties will go. This is the scientific way to alter your life. And being in accordance with the great law, it cannot fail. It must succeed. Now, do you realize that by working in this way, you do not have to change conditions? You don't change the conditions. The conditions change after you change. What happens is that you apply the law, and then the conditions change spontaneously. 
You cannot change conditions directly. You have often tried to do so and failed. But go on the seven-day mental diet and conditions must change for you. This then is your prescription. For seven days, you must not allow yourself to dwell for a single moment on any kind of negative thought. You must watch yourself for a whole week as a cat watches a mouse. And you must not, under any pretense, allow your mind to dwell on any thought that is not positive, constructive, optimistic, kind, gracious, merciful, good, the aspects of love. This discipline will be so strenuous that you could not maintain it consciously for more than a week. But I do not ask you to do so. A week will be enough because by that time the habit of positive thinking will begin to be established. Some extraordinary changes for the better will have come into your life, encouraging you enormously. And then the future will take care of itself. The new way of life will be so attractive and so much easier than the old way that you will find your mentality aligning itself almost automatically. And this is the beauty of affirmations. You know, and you say them naturally. This is going to be my mental diet. I am just the greatest beauty. You know, I am. I am just a beauty. And everything is harmonious in my life. I love it. You know, and we're all one being. Isn't that magnificent to know? And look at that tree. Look at that tree. You know, it is just so prosperous and abundant and rich. And I'm just like it. I'm no different than that tree. I'm prosperous. I'm rich. I'm abundant. And I work in the millions. And these are affirmations that you're making. But the seven days are going to be strenuous. I would not have you enter upon this without counting the cost. Mere physical fasting would be child's play in comparison, even if you have a very good appetite. The most exhausting form of army gymnastics combined with 30-mile route marches would be mild in comparison with this undertaking. And, you know, once you become aware of what you're doing, you know, you're maligning people at the store, you're doing this, you begin to take charge, take control of your thoughts, therefore taking control of your life. But it is only for one week in your life and it will de definitely alter everything for the better. For the rest of your life here, for all eternity, in fact, things will be utterly different and inconceivably better than if you had not carried through this undertaking. Do not start lightly. Think about it for a day or two before you begin. Then start in, and the grace of God go with you. You may start it any day of the week at any time of the day. First thing in the morning or after breakfast or after lunch. It does not matter. But once you do start, you must go straight through for the seven days. That is essential. The whole idea is to have seven days of unbroken mental discipline.
in order to get the mind definitely bent in a new direction once and for all. If you make a false start, or even if you go on well for two or three days and then for any reason fall off the diet, the thing to do is to drop the scheme altogether for several days and then to start again afresh. There must be no jumping on and jumping off, as it were. Now, this is where Emmett Fox and I um, differ. When you're on a diet and you went and grabbed a cookie or you went and had a piece of cake, you know, uh, and you realized halfway through the cake, well, okay, I'm just going to finish this cake, not to be rude, and, you know, back on the diet in the morning. So I wouldn't take several days. In fact, knowing what I know, I would just spit the cake out and throw it away and then, you know, say, oh, well, no biggie. What I really did was say, no, thank you, and, you know, change it, revise it, or eat it, and I forgive myself for falling for that, you know. I, I, thank you. Thank you for taking that away, changing how I see that. So it's up to you. Each person's different, and you have to take these teachings and grab the nuggets. Grab and apply it with the knowledge that you already have. And I already have the knowledge of the 12 laws of mind. And I have the knowledge that I can revise. And revision is a beautiful thing. And I do have the knowledge about forgiveness. And that's a beautiful thing. So I'm not for this to get totally off of it and start again. If you've been doing it and you're at day two or three and you slip. The idea is to immediately correct yourself and get right back to it. You remember that Rip Van Winkle in the play would take a solemn vow of teetotalism and then promptly accept a drink from the first neighbor who offered him one, saying calmly, I won't count this one. Well, that just meant he never intentionally had decided that he was going on a diet and he wasn't going to drink anymore. Okay? If you've been on the diet and just without thinking slipped off you get right back on it again. Well, on the seven-day mental diet, this sort of thing simply will not do. No, you have to be sincere. You have to have want to do this. So I am changing my mind. You know, I'm changing my mind right now, or tomorrow. I will begin in the morning. Whatever. You must positively count every lapse, and whether you do or not, nature will. Where there is a lapse, you must go off the diet altogether and start again. Now, again, nature abhors a vacuum. All right? You erase it, replace it, and move on. You forbid it if it was really something bad. If it was something that you've handed to the Christ, you blow it off. Nope, I'm not thinking about that. You did not really give it your time and attention. Now, in order if possible, to forestall difficulties, I will consider them in a little detail. First of all, what do I mean by negative thinking? Well, a negative thought is any thought of failure, disappointment, or trouble. Any thought of criticism, or spite, or jealousy, or condemnation of others, or self-condemnation. 
any thought of sickness or accident or, in short, any kind of limitation or pessimistic thinking. Any thought that is not positive and constructive in character, whether it concerns you, yourself, or anyone else, is a negative thought. Do not bother too much about the question of classification, however. In practice, you will never have any trouble in knowing whether a given thought is positive or negative. Even if your brain tries to deceive you, your heart will whisper the truth. Second, you must be quite clear that this scheme calls for is that you shall not entertain or dwell upon negative things. Note this carefully. It is not the thoughts that come to you that matter, but only such of them as you choose to entertain and dwell upon. Okay? If you see a news story about a murder, you don't think about that. You don't go on and on. What you know? No, no. You know, you blow it off immediately and move on to something better. Now you did not uh, stop the diet. You have to give it time and attention for it to actually be, you know, a negative thought. You have to dwell upon it. Think about it. Entertain it. Give it time and attention. Of course, many negative thoughts will come to you all day long. Some of them will just drift into your mind of their own accord, seemingly, and these come to you out of the race mind. Other negative thoughts will be given to you by other people, either in conversation or by their conduct. Or you will hear disagreeable news, perhaps by letter or telephone, or you will see crimes and disasters announced in the newspaper headlines. These things, however, do not matter, as long as you do not entertain them. In fact, it's these very things that provide the discipline that is going to transform you during the epic-making week. It's epic! The thing to do is, directly, when the negative thought presents itself, turn it out. Turn away from the newspaper. Turn out the thought of the unkind letter or stupid remark or whatnot. When the negative thought floats into your mind, immediately turn it out and think of something else. Best of all, think of God as explained in the Golden Key. A perfect analogy is furnished by the case of a man who is sitting by an open fire when a red-hot cinder flies out and falls on his sleeve. If he knocks that cinder off at once, without a moment's delay to think about it, no harm is done. But if he allows it to rest on him for a single moment, under any pretense, the mischief is done, and it will be a troublesome task to repair that sleep. So it is with a negative thought. Now, what of those negative thoughts and conditions which it is impossible to avoid at the point where you are today? What of the ordinary troubles that you will have to meet in the office or at home? The answer is that such things negative experiences or conditions will not affect your diet provided that you do not accept them by fearing them by believing them by being indignant or sad about them or by giving them any power at all any negative condition that duty compels you to handle will not affect your diet go to the office or meet the cares at home without allowing them to affect you None of these things move 
me and all will be well. Suppose that you are lunching with a friend who talks negatively. Do not try to shut him up or otherwise snub him. Let him talk, but do not accept what he says, and your diet will not be affected. Suppose that on coming home, you are greeted with a lot of negative conversation. Do not preach a sermon, but simply do not accept it. It is your mental consent. Remember, that constitutes your diet. Suppose you witness an accident or an act of injustice. Let us say, instead of reacting with pity or indignation, refuse to accept the appearance at its face value. Do anything that you can to right matters. Give it the right thought and let it go at that. You will still be on the diet. Of course, it will be very helpful if you take steps to avoid meeting during to avoid meeting during this week anyone who seems particularly likely to arouse the devil in you. People who get on your nerves or rub you the wrong way or bore you or are better avoided while you are on the diet. But if it is not possible to avoid them, then you must take a little extra discipline. That's all. Suppose that you have a particularly trying ordeal before you next week. Well, if you have enough spiritual understanding, you will know how to meet that in the spiritual way. But for our present purpose, I think I would wait and start the diet as soon as the ordeal is over. As I said before, do not take up the diet lightly, but think it over well first. In closing, I want to tell you, that people often find that the starting of this diet seems to stir up all sorts of difficulties. It seems as though everything begins to go wrong at once. This may be disconcerting, but it is really a good sign. It means that these things are moving and is not that the very object we have in view. Isn't that what you want? You want them to move it out, move out. Suppose your whole world seems to rock on its foundation. Hold on steadily. Let it rock. And when the rocking is over, the picture will have reassembled itself into something much nearer to your heart's desire. The above point is vitally important and rather subtle. Do you not see that the very dwelling upon these difficulties is in itself a negative thought? which has probably thrown you off the diet. The remedy is not, of course, to deny that your world is rocking in appearance, but to refuse to take the appearance for the reality. Judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. A closing word of caution. Do not tell anyone else that you are on the diet or that you intend to go on it. Keep this tremendous project strictly to yourself. Remember that your soul should be the secret place of the Most High. When you have come through the seven days successfully and secured your demonstration, and then tell the story to anyone else who you think is likely to be helped by it. And finally, remember that nothing said or done by anyone else can possibly throw you off the diet. Only your own reaction to the other person's conduct can do that. Only your response matters. So I hope this helps.
Blessings to you. And thank you. Thank you for being you.